Hey guys, it's Cheryl Nemhard here with On The Path, and I'm so glad to have you guys with us today. Guys, we are going to have an incredible conversation. I always say that, but I truly, truly am excited for this conversation because I think I have met uh, my twin. I've yeah. met someone who has my heart, someone who is um, making a difference in the lives of Chicago teens, and you are going to be blown away by her story. What does it mean to answer a bold yes? What does it mean to put yourself in danger? Uh, what does what is required to do God's work in tough environments? You are going to hear about the life of Diane Latiker. Diane is the author of a brand new book coming out called Kids Off the Block. Uh, it drops in September, people. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about Diane. She is CNN's top 10 hero of the year, 2011. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> So good. Uh, she and that is uh, being honored for her timeless, uh, tireless work of Chicago teens. She is BET's Shine a Light Award winner in 2013. Uh, this powerhouse has been on NBC News, CBC News. Her story's been featured NPR Weekend, like just everywhere. Ebony Magazine, Time Magazine, Huffington Post, USA Today. She is a huge advocate for at-risk youth, and she stands boldly against gun violence. You are going to hear her life story and how she is changing and why I call her, people, a lighthouse. Oh. How she's changing lives one minute at a time, one heart at a time, one house at a time, meal at a time. I can't even imagine all the things that she does. And we will get with her in a minute. We're talking about Diane Latiker, Kids Off the Block, the inspiring true story of one woman's quest to protect Chicago's most vulnerable youth here on On the Path. One, two. You're listening to On The Path Podcast with Cheryl Nemhart. Follow Cheryl Nemhart on all social media platforms. Hey, Diane, how are you? I'm fine, and you? Good, good, good. I have so much to say. My introduction could have gone on forever. <laughs> I have like notes and notes of like, she's amazing. She's, you know, I, you're like a modern day Mother Teresa for me oh, in so many ways. Lord, I don't even stand in the shadow. Oh, Lord. But I am so honored to be here. Thank you so much. Um, mm. When I read, I, I kind of did a little research on you myself, and I was like, whoa, oh my God, this woman is incredible. And I hope to continue our conversation even after, oh, yeah. um, you know, together and things, because I love what you've done and what you do. Thank you so much. Um, I, I believe that I draw inspiration from, from incredible women like you. you I don't throw the, 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 the phrase lighthouse around very easily because that is such a revered position for me. People who have literally turned their entire life into being the light of God in the dark times. And that is you day in, day out tirelessly, um, sometimes sacrificially many times. Yes. Uh, to the point of illness, sickness, you know, and, and, and putting yourself not even at the bottom of the list, but sometimes not on the list at all, just to ensure that you see uh, these young people become all that God has called them to be. I can't wait. 
Uh, I'm so excited. I don't even know where to start, but I think I think what I want to do is I, I'm a firm believer that um, people who are world changers uh, have had their world changed in some way. There's got to be some moment to make these larger than life personalities who are making such a difference. Something has happened along the way that that uh, fueled that fire. I would love to know, Diane, as our first question, what is your life story? How, how does it connect to what you're doing today? I think it connects in everything that I do, believing that uh, without God and my faith, I could not do it. I, matter of fact, not believing it, I know that. And I believe that came at an early age. Uh, well, thanks to my mom, of course, who guided us to God. And um, I'm grateful to her for that. But in the meantime, I was fatherless. And so um, at five years old, I had a memory of my father. I searched for my father till I was 28 years old. I found him. When God let me find him, his very words to me was, I have my own family. I don't need you here. Wow. um, I I buried it. As you were discussing earlier, I buried it because I could not deal with it. Simple as that. I was a young woman at 28 years old. I already had seven kids because I was married at 16 years old. Um, I got pregnant. At- I'm sorry. How many kids did you say? I had seven. At <gasps> wow. I now have eight kids, four boys and four girls. Wow. Um, and so um, I could not deal with it because I was already traumatized as a young woman. Um, and so I was molested at 10 years old. Um, and then again at 12. And I, but I, I just couldn't stop moving. I, 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 the only way I could deal with all that trauma was to not, not stop. Um, I believe my whole life has to do with what I do now because I believe if I had a, my mom was everything. My mom was both father and mother and people say you shouldn't say that, but it was true. And so, but I, I just wanted that that father there uh, in my heart mm. my and brothers had their fathers. So I wanted my father. And I, I, as far as what I do now, we're 80% male in the organization. And I see those boys looking for, I don't know, a mom, a grandmom or something, but I feel that because I was looking and mm. I found my father. I still was looking. I was still looking for that man somewhere. Somebody somewhere is going to love me enough to say, Diane, you're good. Would you, would you, would you say, Diane, that there was a, a, like a father wound in your heart for sure? Always trying to fill that, that void. Yeah. That was the search. That was the search. And uh, even being molested, um, you know, I, I attributed that, that I didn't have a father. And so I, everything that happened to me growing up, I attributed to that. And I shouldn't have done that, though. Um, but when I got older, I started to realize that I loved helping people. I, I didn't care what the situation was, no judgment. As I got into my 30s, I started realizing that if somebody said, uh, Diane, blah, 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 I'm there. 
And it continued on until I was 46 years old. And God pushed me. (laughs) He literally pushed me, Cheryl, into doing this. My mom came to me and she said, Diane, the kids like to respect you because they would come to my house for my daughter, Aisha. She was, by the way, my youngest is 30. My oldest is 46. Wow. You look good, honey. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, But Aisha was the only one at home and Aisha had nine friends, right? And so to keep Aisha till she graduated high school and went to college, that was my goal. I could be free and I could go fishing, right? That's what I wanted to do. I love fishing. And that's all I'm thinking about. So I'm taking them skating and fishing and all that. And my mom saw it and she said, Diane, those kids like and respect you. You should do something. And I'm in my brain, I'm going, no, because I'm going to be free. I don't want to do this. So I prayed about it. I literally prayed about it for three days. On that third day, on July 15th, one of the hottest days of that year, I saw Aisha and they were all out in the front, her and her friends. And I'm standing in the window going, do I want to go out here? Lord, I don't want to go out here. That's what I was saying. I promise you, that voice came to me and said, go out there. I didn't have no idea what I was going to say to Aisha and her friends about. I didn't know anything about a program, the EIN number, nothing. And I walked out there and I said, Aisha, she said, ma'am. And they are all her friends came running. And I said, if I started something in the house, would you guys participate? And by the way, what do you want to be when you grow up? It just, you know how God do things when he tells you to do something, you don't know where it's going. Right. Right. Because we human. We ain't psychic. (laughs) He knows where it's going. Right. Those kids came into my house and sat down. I listened to them. I thought I knew Aisha's friends because I knew them from little kids. I had no idea. I had no idea the boys were being recruited by the gangs in the neighborhood. I had no idea they were all fairly in school. Wow. I had no idea. And then when they got through talking to me, I'm like, how am I going to help these people, kids? I I don't have any degrees. I'm not, you know, well-versed with stuff. And Wow. And and that voice said, don't worry about it. Just help. Can I can I say to Diane, I'm listening to your your story and all I'm hearing is that uh, God is reminding us that we don't need much. He will take our little and and make so much with it and that we can be everyday heroes and everyday missionaries and everyday pastors to the people in our community sometimes people wait on degrees and wait on big elaborate things they want more things to happen and come into alignment before they move and god is saying if all i need is your yes and your willingness to move and i got you and look at so you had you had uh, just a, a heart for these kids and you opened your home and that was the beginning of it i opened my home and i'm helping aisha's friends with homework and her too and she's not liking it because now her friends are in our house every day <laughs> she this is my mom i'm the baby i'm supposed to get all that attention but anyway that's another story <laughs> but in the meantime i look up and there's another there's kids coming to my door i don't know and they're knocking on my door. I tell everybody this and they go, they say you can help me. And I'm looking around like, who? Are you the lady that helped kids? And I, oh, I just, 
And wow. I my house. And I sat down and I listened to them. And it just kept going until 75 kids were in our apartment. Day and night. What? 75 yeah. kids. 75 kids. Day and night, in and out. Morning two in the morning, sitting on the porch when I come out in the morning. Just my husband threatened to divorce me so many times. Because he's like, what are you doing? I could not tell him what I was doing because I didn't know. <laughs> I, just, I wanted to help. Don't you love when you have a, a, a call that you can't explain, but you just know you're in it? I, I can't tell you what this is. I'm just walking it out right now. Give me a minute. Mm-hmm. Give me a minute. I Give love it. I, I told him numerous times, James, I don't know. I love I've that. got to do this. And I realized that 46 years old that I had found my passion. And I desired it all my life, but I didn't know how to get it. And God just said, here. Okay, I'm so excited. Let's talk about that for a minute. Let's camp there. You just lit me up. You said at 46 years old, I found my passion. Yes. And you knew it because it lit you up. And I always say, you'll know what your passion is. It's the thing that you can do with no sleep. It's the thing that you can do with no pay. It's the thing that you can do to the point of exhaustion. It just lights you up. So what was that? I got to find out from you. What was that defining moment? that made you realize this is it. This is my call. When a kid came and sat in my living room and he said to me and my mom and my husband, everybody standing there, he sat in that chair and he said, Miss Diane, if this door wasn't open, I still hardly can talk about that. (laughs) But he said, this door wasn't open. I'd be dead or in jail. And the first thing that came to my mind is as that simple as that, just to keep the door open. And I never closed it. Wow. Just an open door. Just an open door. Saved his life. Mm-hmm. And you knew from that moment what? I was up and running. I was, that was it. I, I actually, I risked my marriage for my kids. Didn't like it at all because they said I'm letting gangs in my house. They're right. It was dangerous. And um, I risked the neighbors were calling the police on me day and night because there was so many kids in and out of my house. You're kidding uh, me. Yeah, yeah. They were calling the police on me because I, I was trying to get all of them in and they were coming in. You know, it was just I was new at this, you know, so I'm trying. And um I, from that point on, though, I didn't care what I risk. It was on. Wow. It was on. It was, it was, I I couldn't even sleep at night. I'd be so excited about what I'm going to do for them tomorrow. How can I get, I'd be up all night with them, you know, and my husband be hollering out the bedroom, go to bed. It was, it was something I had just never experienced before. And I, 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 it was like, wow, this is it. This is what it's all about. This is what people talk about. Because you were seeing their lives change right before your eyes. Oh, my God. Just because my door was open. Do people understand that? Mm, talk I, about that. I didn't have a million dollar home. I didn't have any degrees. I had a three bedroom apartment. I had a little furniture. It looked kind of cute. But I mean, I had something, but it didn't matter. And none of it mattered. 
it just didn't matter anymore. Because what you had, which was the most powerful thing, was a yes. You said, yes, I will do it. I'm available. But let me tell you what was more powerful than that. Yes, please. I had backup. Mm. You know how people say I look to the hills for what's coming to my help? Those hills were there. My backup was there. He bagged me. Everything that I tried to do and people and, and let me on. some people tried to shut me down because they they was calling me the old lady with, uh, in the shoe. Got so many kids don't know what to do. And they, <laughs> I mean, at me, seriously. And every time they come at me, God would just go. And I, every time and remember you, when you asked me about did I ever think about stopping every day? Every day yeah. I, I quit. I, Lord, it's too much. Lord, I can't, you know, I, and I couldn't. I just couldn't, though. Let's talk about that, Diane, because I feel like that, that this, this is such an inspiring conversation for me. You have no idea because I have dedicated my life to at-risk children, and I know it gets hard sometimes. You get misunderstood. Uh, it seems like a waste of time. Nobody gets it. Um, it's not sexy. It's not marketable. People don't want to support or sponsor. It, they don't. They just don't understand. Uh, but we don't do it for that. We don't do it for that. We do it because we see ourselves in every young person. Do we not? We do, and we are that young person. Mm. We are that young person? When that ten-year-old boy comes up to me and says, "Miss Diane, I feel safe here." I, I, Something in me, I, I want him to feel safe every day of his life, all day of his life. I want him to have that same feeling so he can be great. I yeah. Shouldn't have to worry about not being safe. Yeah. Yeah. So, so please help us understand because so many people, especially, you know, I, like not to, <clears throat> to make this a controversial question, but it really is. Look at the landscape that we're in right now, the racial tensions that are going on in America and Canada, all of North America, the racial tensions. There are so many that will say, they'll be quick to say, Diane, uh, this is their own doing. This is by choice. This is uh, laziness. Um, this, you know, they're not our problem. What is it you're seeing? What is the pattern? Uh, tell us the challenges and the obstacles that these young people face daily that keep them where they are or make it hard for them to even try to get out. <coughs> so first I have to say, you know, this is not new. This has always been here. Mm -hmm. Yes, ma'am. So how we dealt with it in my era was the marching, um, the protest. But these young people are dealing with it differently. And every generation has a way that they deal with the same problem. Yeah. But the difference in this generation Dealing with this racial issue is that it's mounted. So what I mean by mounted is that it's visual. Mm. On the internet, they have the world at their fingertips. So every day they're looking mm. at racial incidents. When I was growing up, we heard about it. We yeah. Experienced it firsthand. Right. Now it's on display. It's on display. 
So what what does a kid feel, a 16-year-old who wants to go to college, who wants to do something great, but every day they see black people that look like them being minimized, being not invested into, being called names, being violently attacked. What do you think that does? We're adults. You can, you can imagine what it does to us. Can you imagine? You got your whole life ahead of you, you think, and this is what you have to face. Daily. Daily. Come on. Come on. We know. With all our baggage, we know. Mm -hmm. you're, You're putting the baggage on this kid who just wants to dream and think he got a big future and can do so much in the world. And he's already being minimized. He's yeah. Being minimized. Yeah. Told he's not worthy of it. Told he, he he doesn't deserve it. He'll never get it. And that is ingrained in them, beaten into them, yelled into them. And like you said earlier, what does that do? It makes you angry. Yeah. Yeah. It makes you angry. Yeah, because hurt and broke, hurt and broken people, um, when they're not allowed any space to heal, that turns to anger like overnight. Yeah. So when I see young people, like I say, we're eighty percent male. When those young males sit down, like I had a group session with ten young males, sixteen, eighteen. Do you know eight of them had never met their fathers? Never. Never. Wow. The two that had met their fathers said they would kill him if they met him again. Wow. Can you imagine these young men who probably will have families of their own? Yes. Sitting around without this in them already. Can you imagine? And now they got to go out into the world and pretend everything's hunky-dory. Hmm. Because people are telling them, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. They don't even have boots. Right. And they don't pull up on anything. Right. And nobody wants to touch them because the color of their skin and where they come from. Right. And so and so we and so now you have lived out that African proverb that it takes a village to raise a child. Yes, it does. And so now it's time for the village to step in. Yes. Mm. Yes. I got to ask you, Diane, I I thank God for you. And I know so many people are listening and they're just blown away by the work that you do and the bravery it takes to do it. I have to ask you, uh, you talked about challenges in your home, your marriage, your family, the community. Have you ever hit the wall? Have you ever wanted to white flag? Was it ever too much for you? And uh, please share that if you can. Be real vulnerable with us. And what made you get over that hump and keep going? Oh, I was uh, taking 52 young people to Julian High School on a yellow bus. We were going to a program. I had my mom and my auntie with me. And one of the boys in the back of the bus, unbeknown to me, threw out a gang sign to these three boys that would come across the street. When we got off the bus, the three boys were waiting in front of the bus. One had an AK-47. In my mind, all I could think about was my mom and my auntie behind me and the 50 kids getting off the bus. And I just started walking towards them. And I was just 
screaming at him, please, please, please don't shoot, please. And he's cursing at me and he's, get, lady, get out the way, lady, blah, 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 blah. I'm all, you know, he's going to do whatever. Before I knew it, I was standing face to face with him. And afterwards, I was I almost fainted because I'm like, what did you just do? But at that moment, mm-hmm. I had to do that. Um, I was in a gym room. We used to do um, uh, at Curtis Elementary School, do a basketball program. And I had 75 kids in there, all boys. And two gang leaders came in and pulled guns on each other with their own crews. And so I was in the middle of 245s. And all I could think about was to get the toughest gang leader and grab him by his collar and scream at him to tell everybody, put the guns down. In my peripheral vision, I'm looking at, I'm seeing the boys behind me who are frozen. They are scared. Because this is an elementary school. And finally, he listened to me because I had him by the collar and I was screaming at him and, and he was cursing at me, telling me he couldn't do it. But then he did it. And they and, and when he did that, said, put the so-and-so guns down. The other group ran out the door. Thank God. Like I did the first time. I like, what are you crazy? What are you doing? I said that to say this. In the moments and in the times that I feel threatened or the kids around me threatened. There is no yes or no. There is no right or wrong. There's only faith. Yeah. That's all. I mean, I'm talking about raw. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing else. There is nothing else. That's the only way I can survive. That's the only way I can keep kids safe. That's the only way I can keep my marriage together. Yeah. Kids in my life because of faith. Yeah. Some people that come to me, I can only do it through faith because faith allows me not to judge them. Like God does. God, I'm flawed. I'm a flawed individual and God still loves me. Yes. So through him, I can look at those young people and do the same thing. Yes. Oh, my goodness. And you have seen, you know, sometimes the strongest moments in our faith is not in hearing a really good sermon. It is seeing the miraculous work of God in action. You have seen God do things, save people, step in, intervene, provide in ways that you knew it couldn't be anyone else. It It can't be nothing else but God. We had a whole gang move across the street in a building across the street. They took over our basketball court. They threatened us. They threatened the kids that were coming to my program. Well, one day I I got tired. One of the boys called me from down the block. He said, I can't even come over there because they won't let me pass. On faith, I walked out of my house and went over there and got him. And as I'm walking past them, one of them said, Miss Diane ain't going to always be able to save you. Right then. I call the police. Now, you don't do this. You don't do this with gangs right in front of them. You don't do that. But I had to. I called the the police and then I called the FBI. And I said, if you don't shut this building down where they housing at, I'm going to burn it down. And the police came and the FBI came. And in a week time, they moved them out. But they they were going to throw Molotov cocktails at my mom's house, my house. My grandkids were threatened. I mean, it was crazy. And what's so crazy about that? It helped a lot of them with jobs and money and food. And 
You're kidding. These are the same people that you helped. That helped. But what happened is, see, see, this is the part I want wow. you to know. The gangs have more power than that, than the people who are helping this. Because I reached out to get resources so I could keep these kids off the street and out of the gangs. But the gangs are more funded than we are. I don't care how, how I try my best to go to all these meetings and to let everybody know we need help so we can continue to keep them out of the gangs. Right. Because of who they are and their skin color, they don't get the help. They don't. People have told me to my face, they don't want to help the, those kids. They're throwaway kids. But guess Ugh. what? The gang is going to do it. The gang is going to do it. It's a false negative family, but to them, it's a family. And so because of lack of community help, funding and resources, the gang becomes the empire in the community. Wow. And is that one of the reasons why take us now to this moment here, uh, the, the right, this book that's about to drop. I'm so excited in September kids off the block, by the way, kids off the block. You got to talk to me about that title. Cause I love that title kids uh, yeah, we all know kids on the block, kids right. off the block. Um, tell us, tell us about wh- how this book came to be, uh, the why of this book, and what do you hope that it will do for readers? So let me tell you about the title first. We were all standing out in front, and I, I was telling the kids, "I'm gonna get you guys off this block because we've been to 25 cities. By the way, we've literally got them off the block. 25 so- cities. Oh yeah." Yeah, yeah. We literally pack them up and take them to other uh, uh, cities so they can meet other kids and walk the blocks and meet other kids. Come on. So I said, I'm going to literally get you all off the block. And one of the kids said, we're kids off the block. And that's how it happened. That's how that name came to be. So in writing the book, um, really, my whole goal of this book is to tell everybody who will listen. You can do it, too. You can whatever issue is bothering you, whatever you feel is too big for you to tackle. Do it. Don't wait on a grant. Don't wait on an EIN number. Don't wait on nobody to approve you. You don't need approving. What you need is to go ahead and just help somebody. Help somebody. Help an issue. Help an organization that's doing what you can't do, maybe. But do it. Just just. If I would have known what I know now, I probably wouldn't have did it. Mm. I wouldn't have. Because people would tell you, you should have did this. You, you should have that. No. I had a God who said, Diane, you're doing this. I love it. And I did it. I just went out there and did it. And, and it wasn't me that did all these big... To me, I'm no hero. Mm-hmm. I'm, a woman, I'm a woman who... Wanted to help the kids in my neighborhood to be better so they can live and prosper. And God took it and ran with it somewhere else. Oh, my goodness. Diane, listen, Kids Off the Block, the inspiring true story of one woman's quest to protect Chicago's most vulnerable youth. I have it in my hand. I've been reading it. Guys, it is an unbelievable read. You, It's just the stories that you feel it like you are there in the moment. 
And I want to ask you, what is your hope for this book? Um, I think every person who has a heart for community service, urban missions, those that are even right now, and this is a, a, I need you to pause and listen to this real close, guys, lean in. In this racial time of unrest that we are in, I appeal to every non-Black ally, people who have said we stand with you, we want to learn more, we want to understand what's going on, you need to get this book in your hands. This is part of your education in 2020. This is part of your reading list. This is the book that needs to go on the reading list. Kids off the block. You need to know uh, the struggle, the hopes, uh, the challenges, the obstacles, and the and the great people that need help to do the work that they're doing. I want funds to flow in to the work of Diane Latiker. Diane, before, yeah, no, for real. I just, and I can't wait to talk to you off offline about ways that I can help in any way. I just want to serve your vision in any way. I'm so, so inspired. But what is your hope for this book? I'm hoping that it tells people to not wait. The world needs you now. I don't care where you are. I don't care what you don't have, what you do have. The world needs you right now. Come into your being, whoever you worship to, whoever you believe in, whatever is bothering you, you can be a part of the solution to help it. Start now with what you have, wherever you are. You, we are so powerful, especially in our faith, we are so powerful to do things that God wants us to do. I'm serious. We, we have the power beyond belief. We just need to harness it. Take it. Don't mm. fight with it. Take it. So good. So good. Diane, I've got one last thing for you, and I did not prep you for this at all. <laughs> I'm going to put you on the spot, Diane. I hope you, I hope you don't mind, but I love, I love to do a little bit of a, of a, of a game with my guests and it's, it's fill in the blank. Okay. Okay. I'm going to ask you two questions. The first question is when you look around this landscape that you're in, all that you have seen and experienced, teach us now, what is it time for? What is it time for? And just say it's time for. It's time for unity. It's time. It's been time. Simple as that. There is no big prologue. There is no big nothing. That simple word. If we were to come together around the issues that we care about, there's power in numbers. There's power and people coming together and God seeing that and saying, hey, they're really serious about this. I just want people to come together. That unity means everything to me. Mm. I love that. It's time for unity. And now we're going to flip it. What is it not time for? It is not time for what? Racial, it's not time for racial division. That's played out. It's so old. It, it's time to throw it away. It is. It's time for the. We have so many allies that come from all races. And that small percentage seems to get magnified that dwell on that racial disparity. 
We shouldn't give them any spotlight. They don't deserve it. Mm. People who are the allies who in their heart really want to help. Oh, my goodness. Diane Latiker. <laughs> in 35 minutes, you have changed my life. My goodness, I'm emotional. The book is called Kids Off the Block, the inspiring true story of one woman's quest to protect Chicago's most vulnerable youth. Uh, coming out on Baker's Books Publishing, it will be dropping anywhere books are sold in September. I hope that you grab a copy. You need this on your reading list. She also writes this with Bethany. Uh, is it Moger? Do I have that right? Bethany Moger and uh, Bethany is uh, the co-author of Free Centoya. For many of you that know the story of Centoya Brown, Free Centoya, My Search for Redemption in the American Prison System. This is a book for the ages. Oh my goodness, Diane. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Listen, before we go, you have the final word. Anything you want to say as a word of inspiration for those listening to today? I want everybody to know that Although I rely on faith, I believe faith relies on me. God relies on me to believe his word and not question it. And so I learned that the hard way. God said it, I believe it. That's my word. Thank you so much, Diane. Oh, Thank my you. goodness. Thank you, you so much, Cheryl. Such a blessing. Such an incredible conversation with Diane Latiker, and her book is called Kids Off the Block, the inspiring true story of one woman's quest to protect Chicago's most vulnerable youth. My takeaway from this conversation is one that I've been thinking about for some time now, and that is that all of us can make a difference with what little we have, uh, with no resources, with some resources, each of us can make a difference. For her, it was the act of simply opening a door. What is it that God is calling you to do in this season to bridge the gap, to bring healing, to unify? These are the things that we need to think about. Until then, let's keep living. Let's keep learning. Let's keep loving. And let's keep saying a big yes to the things that God is calling us to. I'll see you on the path. Thanks for listening. Please like, download, and subscribe. This has been an Exusia Media Production.